Consistent with the newly updated guidance from the Office of the Attending Physician related to the increased threat from the Delta variant of the virus, the Chair wishes to inform all members and staff that masks will once again be required in the Hall of the House. However, members will be permitted to remove their mask temporarily while under recognition. To be clear, members and staff must wear masks in the hall of the House at all times except when a member may remove his or her mask when recognized by the chair. In addition, members presiding as chair may remove their masks when speaking. Theater. It was the CDC that decided to tell us that you should wear your mask indoors. Uh, yeah, but I'm vaccinated. <laughs> vaccinated. What does that matter? It's the Delta variant, I tell you. And that Delta variant, it's a wastly little mother. And you have to wear a mask even if you've been vaccinated. But I thought the vaccine was going to knock out uh, the, the virus. It's the Delta variant. A vicious mother, isn't he? That thing's going to get you. No, we shouldn't. Mock, uh, the Delta variant has shown itself to be, um, let's call it elusive or invasive. You've seen these conversations of breakthroughs, meaning people who got vaccinated who then got the virus. Well, no vaccine was 100%. We knew that as well. But the people with the vaccine uh, have uh, much fewer symptoms. They're able to better manage their symptoms, and they live through it. There has been a disconnect between the people getting the virus and the people dying. We've seen this out of the UK. But in no place have we seen that masks do anything at all. So why would the CDC now tell us, oh, yes, even if you're vaccinated, even if you're vaccinated, you should wear a mask. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. Here's the question. Your school now says kids have to wear a mask. Are you sending them back to school? Are you sending them back? This is the question. Is there any any doubt that this conversation's happening as schools are going back, days before schools are going back? Are you sending them back? 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. That is the number. When you t- take a listen to Rochelle Walensky, head of the CDC, I mean, she doesn't even make a convincing argument for masks. We don't have any evidence that is doing so, and that's really great news. But I do want to emphasize, and and I know all of the data, and it is so true that all of the data say the kids do better than the adults. Transmission is less in schools than it might be in other places um, when prevention strategies are in place. But I think it's really important for people to understand that this is not a benign disease in kids compared to other diseases that our kids see. So if you look at the mortality rate of COVID um, just this past year for children, it's more than twice the mortality rate that we see in influenza in a given year. That is an absolute bit of fear-mongering. I'm going to dig into that a, a little bit later. An unvaccinated child does better against COVID than a vaccinated adult 30 years of age or older. And a mask that you created with your Meemaw in the, in, in, in the basement 
isn't going to protect you as well as a vaccine developed by Pfizer. It's just not. It's mythology to say otherwise. So why in the world would we even begin to say otherwise? Why are we doing this to ourselves? And now they've got the mandates back uh, in the House. And you've got President Biden. They've got the mandates back in the White House as well. You had Kamala Harris, the vice president of the United States. You've seen pictures, not at the border, but you've seen pictures in other places. And uh, oh, there she was yesterday, mask back on, and they're passing out masks to the press. The press is all vaccinated. Let's go back. They are making the argument that the mask you made at your kitchen table, which you know and I know you don't properly clean, is better for you than the vaccine created by Pfizer or Moderna or Johnson & Johnson. I'm sorry, I simply cannot believe this to be true. If only because it's not true. It isn't true that the mask is going to stop COVID. Masks do zero. But this is, again, theater. But think of what the theater has now done and said. What the theater has done and said is, you got a vaccine? You actually went to your doctor and said, Give me the shot. I am not throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. Hey, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. You sucker. You fool. You bought into the lie of the vaccine. <laughs> Everybody knows the vaccine was just a big joke. that's what the federal government has now said to americans and there's no way to unring this bell noah rothman uh, who does work over at uh uh, nbc news uh, and uh, commentary magazine he's scheduled to be with us in the next hour to kind of further break that down how how do they think They're going to get people to buy into vaccines. It was Kamala Harris that said, nobody likes to wear masks. Get the vaccine. People got the vaccine. Now you're telling them to wear the mask. Do you not understand the level of the backwards logic within that? Get the vaccine so you don't have to wear a mask. You have to wear a mask even though you got the vaccine. And this is why people are saying, ah, I'm out. Forget these people. These people lie. And this is why it comes down to what what are you going to do with with your kids? What are you going to do with your kids? What's the plan there? How are you going to handle this? Are you going to send them? Are you going to send your kids to school if they're forced to wear a mask? We have discussed what's in um, the masks with with kids. We have uh, broken this down. We had done the interview with Scott Moorfield, 
parents sent their kids' face masks to a lab. Let's go over it again. Streptococcus pneumoniae, mycobacterium tuberculosis, Neisseria meningitis. Wait, it's 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 meningitis and sepsis. I mean, you get to a moment where I don't know how to pronounce the things. Food poisoning, Lyme disease, diphtheria, Legionnaire's disease. These are the things on the masks. We pay no attention to the respiratory illness that we may be forcing upon our children. Under the guise of what? Education? Their education is already screwed. The New York Times, to the extent that you can believe the Times, but I'll go with them on this one, detailing how poorly students have done. Parents have noticed this. 38% say their child is learning less than normal. The New York Times estimates that kids lost to four to five months. That's how far behind they are. Now, I've said this before, and I'll say this again. I don't feel that way about my children. I thought my kids did fantastic. I thought they actually excelled in the environment. In a lot of ways, I thought it was terrific. My parents, I mean, my, 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 my children also had the luxury of their parents being home. Now, you can say, well, everybody was home. Well, no, some people were still working. Some people were definitely still working. Some people were trying to juggle it and figure it all out. So between where the, the, the teachers uh, my kids happen to have, remember, there are still good teachers out there. We shouldn't deny such a thing. And having a parent who could be with them all day. And me, who could be with them part of the day. I thought they did fine. And then, of course, uh, I'm always reminded of how much we do here as part of our kids' education, which is not always the case all the way around, and not because people hate their kids. It's because they don't have the situation by which to do it. I happen to be able to work from home. Not everybody can do that. You don't think I know how fortunate that is, that it all worked out this way? It allowed me to be of more benefit to my children. It's not even a debate. Because we made the decision early as a family that if one of us was working, the other one was staying home. It just so happened I was the one working. Trust me, if my wife could make more money than me, she'd be the one working. I am more than fine with that. I am a man of the 21st century. She can bring home bacon and fry it up. I'm totally cool with that. Also, bacon's delicious. We set that deal and we accepted, especially in those earlier days, a lot of the financial sacrifice that came along with one of us being home. To be able to be at this moment and are fortunate that we did. Some people saw it differently. Some people, they can't make that deal happen. But now you tell it at first that you couldn't, they weren't allowed to send their kids to school, which was nonsense because the schools were always safer. And then uh, their kid could only go at a part-time basis, which was nonsense as well. And an homage to teachers unions, which are just being ridiculous and hateful of children. Now their kid, after suffering through whatever school year they had with a mask, has to do it again, possibly? 
parents are going to be forced into a whole new conversation of, we can't do this to our kids. But if we don't send them, now now we're hurting them that way. And this is part of how the system works to force parents into doing things they don't want to do. Parents don't want to send their kids to school wearing a mask. They know it's awful. But they don't want their kid ostracized or kept away from their friends. And that's what the, these, these government groups kind of hang their hat on. Let me at least be more clear. I believe that this is absolutely a, a level of, of government working against the people. And I think the people desperately need to stand up. But I'm right there with you in an understanding of how difficult this all is. Because I'm dealing with it as well. I have kids going back to school. What do I do? So far, I have not heard anybody say that masks will now be forced. Masks have always been optional. What happens when they say, in order to really uh, deal with this Delta variant, because it's all about the Delta variant, right? And it's a thousand times more potent. Well, that means it, 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 in, in its transmissibility, but not in people dying. Right? They, ne- they never go over that one. Uh, what happens when they say, in order to deal with this, all children over the age of 12 need to be vaccinated? Does that change your mind on whether or not you send them back to school? Tony, the schools will never, ever require that. Okay, you keep saying that. And I'm going to hope that you're right. But you know what I think? I don't think you're right. I think that I would never put it past a school to demand such a thing. What happens if your state demands such a thing? If Indiana should demand that uh, everybody get vaccinated, I don't know. They, I wouldn't. They wouldn't do that. Nah, that wouldn't happen. You can't demand that to go to school. Hmm. Oh, maybe they've got demands on other vaccines. This all gets real ugly real quick. And over what? Over a disease that doesn't kill kids. A discussion of masks that don't stop COVID. The CDC has not only reinstilled fear in Americans that members of Congress will happily capitalize on for the show and not the facts. It has told the people who got vaccines, you were suckers and fools. You want to talk about damaging the American psyche. You did it in less than 12 hours. Congratulations. I'm Tony Katz. Seems that not only the world of construction has supply chain issues and not just the automobiles, Apple, which beat the living daylights out of expectations in terms of earnings. But they're like, uh, we're going to have the same problems as everyone else. 
and Apple grew quite all right. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. They were a buck thirty a share on uh, as opposed to a dollar on uh, revenue. That's $81 billion versus the $73 billion estimated. And that includes being 50% up on an annual basis on iPhone sales. But they're like, we, we can't get the parts. We can't get the stuff. This is a recording. Now, in the world of construction, what I'm hearing is that it's, it's lightening up a little bit. They're starting to see uh, the, the, the world where things are becoming a little more accessible. It's a little easier to breathe, a little easier to get things. It doesn't mean it's easier to get the people. It still seems to be difficult to get the people to do the work, but we're seeing this everywhere. We know that in Florida, they wanted to pull the uh, extended unemployment benefit, and they're getting sued, just like Indiana uh, got sued when Governor Holcomb pulled the extended unemployment benefit. There is still this belief that it's having a, a deleterious effect, and in some places it is. It isn't the only reason, though, and that's what needs more, more of a look. You need more understanding of what it is that's going on. And the only reason people aren't going to work is because they have another way of getting dollars. Right? There, there, there's, there's only one answer. You don't need to go to work because you are somehow getting paid. You are able to survive with something. And one could assume that something is being given to you, being provided to you, being afforded to you. Well, what it's doing is putting government in competition with the the private sector on hiring. And their answer is, on and government, well, just pay people more. Just pay people more. Okay. All right, they're going to pay people more. I, I got no problem with this. You just got to get ready for $20 burgers. You got to get ready for more automation. Reality is what it is. Hobby Lobby losing out on a million dollars. And January 6th theater, it's not just about masks. This is Tony Katz today. Yesterday was the January 6th commission, and you're going to hear people talking about this all over the place. Actually, not commission, committee, right? It's a January 6th committee, not commission. And they were going to look into the origins of the riots. And so we're clear, they're riots. That's what took place at the Capitol. Insurrection? Of course not. Of course not an insurrection. This is why Liz Cheney is wrong. And we should be clear that Liz Cheney is wrong when she goes about agreeing with this very radical and ridiculous proposition 
that what we saw at the Capitol was insurrection. And when Liz Cheney, the Republican from Wyoming, agrees with commentary like this from Jake Tapper, it's obvious that I'm right and the Republicans should show her the door. Uh, Speaker Pelosi is not in charge of security uh, in the House anymore than then-Majority Leader Mitch McConnell was. What's your reaction when you hear them try to blame Pelosi for an insurrection incited and inspired and even directed in some ways by Donald Trump? So now we're no longer just incited. We're no longer just inspiring insurrection. He directed it. He choreographed it like he's Bob Fosse. You're gonna, you, you might have to look up Bob Fosse. I, I don't know if I can help you there. Tony Katz, did I say hello, Tony Katz, today? 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. And then you had members of the Capitol Police upset, tearful. You had Representative Ocasio-Cortez with, uh, wow. That attack on the Capitol you know, white supremacy and patriarchy are very linked in a lot of ways. There's a lot of sexualizing of that violence. And um, I didn't think that I was just going to be killed. I thought other things were going to happen to me as well. So what sounds like what you're telling me right now is that you didn't only think that you were going to die. You thought you were going to be raped. Well, that's a, an amazing statement. I mean, how do you argue with something like that? How, how, do you, how do you begin to look someone like Representative Cortez in the eye and say, you weren't near the Capitol? You were in your office. How, how do you look at someone like this and, and, and say with a very clear voice that you might have thought it doesn't put that thought onto anybody else. Let me say it differently. I'm a conservative, not a Republican. Is this what you think of me when you see me? Because if so, you need to seek help, and I want you to get it. But that you would vocalize such a thing, well, that's when I get to speak up and say, you are twisted. Twisted. You know, the beauty of making a statement like this is you don't know whether she means it or not, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Never mind she added the patriarchy in there and it's all sexualized. Everybody wants what they want out of this. But we don't get what we want, which are some basic answers. And one of those basic answers is what in the world happened? What did happen? How did this come to be? Was it indeed a lack of security or a lack of training? Was there something else that took place? You know, when people say to me they want the TikTok, they want to know that to know everything that the the president President Trump did while this was happening. I'm one of the people's like, all right, fine by me. I don't mind you getting that information. I'm super fine with that. But if you want to know, as Representative Liz Cheney has brought up everything that happened beforehand, I want to know if Speaker Pelosi was told, hey, we have heard this, that, and the other. We may have issues. We need extra security. And what she did about that. 
If you want to know what President Trump did, the TikTok of what he did after his speech, when the Capitol was already having issues before and during his speech, I mean, timeline does matter, then I want to know, and I don't mind you getting that information. I'm fine with it. I want to know who brought things to Speaker Pelosi's desk about possible security issues. It's a legitimate, valuable, and worthy question. You want me to add uh, Representative Ocasio-Cortez's thoughts into the mix? I have no plans of doing so. Personally, I don't believe her. She can say what she will. I don't get to stop her. But I do not believe her. I do not believe somebody who went to the border and openly wept in staged shots, fake photos, who has had nothing to say about the border since. By the way, we should note that uh, Speaker, that, that not Speaker, that Representative Ocasio-Cortez has her own issues in her district where people like Susan Sarandon are engaged in protests of Representative Ocasio-Cortez and the job she's doing. Right. So I'm here to say to the squad and especially AOC, who, you know, did make a lot of promises that um, we still have faith in you and we would like to see if you have a, a better plan than we've been able to see, please share it. Yeah. If there's a pathway that you've got that we're not aware of, please share it because we're losing hope here that you represent us. And it's so difficult for people that are independent to get elected in the first place and then to see the very people that sponsored the bill not stand up for it. The bill they're talking about is Medicare for All, and Susan Sarandon is standing next to someone in a T-shirt that says Free Palestine. So, you know, she's got good friends. But let me bring it back uh, to, to the subject here. And, and one of the big, big thoughts that nobody is talking about. I listened to these Capitol Police officers, and I heard them speak in, in, in clear, clear thoughts about what it is they experienced and what it was that was happening and what was going through their minds, and they thought they were going to die. I, I, I'm not at all saying that they didn't think any of these things. Ah, no, 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 not at all, not me, no, no, uh-uh, none. This is what they're saying. This is what they're saying. I will note that you picked four officers, and you might find other officers who see things differently, that four officers do not make for uh, the totality of the Capitol Police. It also was not lost on me that you would hear things like this from a U.S. Capitol Police sergeant. Duty for the country, for the Constitution, at that time was bigger than even my love for my wife and my, my son. I put that ahead. And for me, it's confounding that some people who have sworn off elected officials, including people in the military uh, that I seen at the lower stairs fighting against me, 
they swore an oath and they're forgetting about that oath. They're not putting the country before the party. And that's what bothers me the most. Because I, as a uh, former soldier, I know what that inherits, that oath. And I was willing, I'm still doing, willing to do that. And we got people right now in front of the Justice Department asking to release some of the very same people to be released, even though we are testifying about the trauma and the agony and everything that happened to us. It's pathetic. I don't think it's pathetic that if you have people in jail who haven't been able to talk to lawyers or anything else, that you want to make sure that they're treated like citizens. They're innocent until proven guilty. And if you served in the U.S. military and you serve now as a Capitol Police sergeant and you've forgotten that, sir, with all due respect, it's time for you to turn in your wings. Like Simone Biles, you're hanging on too tight. Just got to let it go. That's a hard conversation to have in the public sphere. Oh, my goodness gracious. Will you get vilified for that? But our job is not to shy away. Our job is to have uh, what they call courageous conversations. And I plan on doing just that. Here, I guess, is one of them. When we talk about these officers who testified, one of them saying that Brian Sicknick died from injuries sustained in the line of duty, but he didn't die from injuries sustained in the line of duty. That's not what happened. And what do we get told from uh, the lawyer of Officer Dunn, Harry Dunn? We are told that his comments that the Capitol Police officer made during the hearing yesterday were not meant to be interpreted as a medical diagnosis. You said he died because of injuries he sustained when that isn't the case. This same officer, as is shown on Twitter, and I'm willing to be corrected on this, shows the officer congratulating Congressman Adam Kinzinger on uh, him and his wife expecting a, a new baby. So now one has to ask, did the officer sitting in front of the committee, does he have a personal relationship, friendship with one of the members on the committee who was crying about the testimony of the officers who were testifying to the committee? If we had an honest look at all of this, we'd be asking these questions. And then we'd be asking how the hell the, the, the riot wasn't put down. And if you want to get into other parts, feel free. I'm not stopping anybody. I'm only adding to it a full-on perspective. But outside of a, an investigation into uh, the, the, the riot itself, let's ask one more question. The question that nobody is asking. These officers testified in one way or another, paraphrasing I am, that they did not expect this, their own countrymen, to go against them. They did not expect to be put in these situations where they have, would have to scream out, I have children, so they didn't get killed. They were being uh, attacked here, and they were being pressed upon there. And the question is, as a Capitol Police officer, what did you expect?
This question has been asked by no one. And as I see it, it is the only question worth asking to these Capitol Police officers. And so we understand each other. If I get the opportunity and I ask producer Ari to reach out, I will ask that question to them nose to nose without fear. What did you expect when you became a Capitol Police officer? Did you expect you would just have to look good in the uniform and be parts of uh, the backgrounds of photos of members of Congress? Did you expect that a senator would give you a little salute and say, uh, Officer, how you doing today? <laughs> How's the wife and kids? All right, all right. And that would be your day? Did you expect it would all be pomp and circumstance and everything would go smooth every single day until you retired with your pension? When you signed up for the Capitol Police, when you trained to be a Capitol Police officer, I want to know, what did you expect? The training you had as a Capitol Police officer, once you were already a Capitol Police officer, what did they tell you to expect? It would seem to me that the Capitol Police officer must be trained for the idea that some power, group, sect, call it what you will, would engage in attack and that you would be the first and possibly last line of defense. That would seem to me to be rational. Based on the commentaries and testimony of yesterday in this 1-6 committee, that was not their purpose, at least from their statements. I'm not saying that many of them didn't perform admirably. I'm going so far as to say it's very obvious that they weren't given the tools necessary to handle the task. Now, that's not their fault. That's one of the things worthy of investigation. But for these four officers, I want to know what did they think their job was. And if they say to me, well, we didn't think our job was to have to fight our own country. Well, uh, you've never read a book. I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm being serious. You never read a book. Your job is to deal with the enemy. The person on the attack. Did it matter? What, were you checking passports? I think this question has a seriousness that needs to be addressed. What did these officers expect when they took the job? Because it sounds to me like they were not ready for the thing that they need to be ready for. And that should be job one, getting the Capitol Police ready for the thing they're not ready for. I'm Tony Katz. I should add one more thing to this madness of January 6th and this committee. The partisanship. Speaker Pelosi putting out on Twitter the violent domestic attack on Congress on January 6th was the worst assault on the Capitol since the War of 1812 and the worst domestic assault on American democracy since the Civil War. On March 1st, 1954, four Puerto Rican nationalists wanting independence from the U.S. shot up the Capitol. 30 rounds. And then in 1971, March 1st, a bomb exploded in the Capitol, doing about $300,000 worth of damage, 
back in 1971 dollars, and that was from the Weather Underground. Who's part of the Weather Underground? Bill Ayers. Who was a supporter and confidant of Bill Ayers? Barack Obama. History is a thing, man. History matters. And Nancy Pelosi knows nothing about history. She does know something about trying to set a narrative, which is what all of this talk about January 6th is. Attack Trump, tie Republicans to Trump, win in the midterms. We see you. We wish you weren't like this, but you are. Meanwhile, the masks are back. But let's talk about the needle and the damage done. Noah Rothman, he's with us to discuss it next, scheduled to be here. I'm Tony Katz on Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Go like that page. Go do it right now.